Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Hello everybody, welcome to the show, lovely to have you back, I hope you're well, as I always say, and I genuinely mean that, I hope you're good, um, those storms a few weeks ago were battering the place, I hope we're all better now, got our fences back up, um, good, well before we get stuck in, uh, we're gonna, we've got a bit of admin as we always have to do, and uh, become a Patreon, that, I'm going to get straight in, going to get straight in, I don't like to ask, but I'm going to. We'd like you to become a Patreon. We've got some wonderful Patreons already that help us keep the lights on. We could do with a few more. Uh, if you're up for that, uh, to become a Patreon, uh, you'll get early access to some of our biggest episodes. So all you've got to do is just head to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast. And, and you can pledge what you want. And like we say, you get access, to, early access to our episodes. We let you know when there's going to be special things happening. Head to patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast. Also, check out our stylish Insane in the Membrane t-shirts from buythatmerch.co.uk. Uh, that's uh, Mark and Stacey, the lads behind SOS Clothing. Those wonderful boys, um, ethically sourced, vegan friendly. Uh, they, they're what they're now. They've got. They've now branched out. They've got their. This uh, is taking care of like band merch, uh, podcast merch. It's comedians on there. They're really taking care of business. Um, and it, they, they've got some. What they're doing now? They've got some smashing uh, colours now. Where we used to have the gold one. Now we've got red. We've got green. We've got grey, black, white. So go and check that out. Uh, that's insane. The membrane T-shirts from buythatmerch.co.uk and tell them that we sent you. Thank you very much. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the episode notes each week for links to our merch uh, and our YouTube channel uh, and our guests, including today's guest. Now, we were lucky enough to do Insane in the Membrane Live at uh, the Latitude Festival last year. It was a big uh, moment for us because you know, the Latitude Festival, it had been, you know, this was just after uh, the lockdowns and we weren't sure if it was going to be on. Uh, I think this was like a tester festival as well to see how things could could progress going forward, you know, now that sort of COVID is amongst us. So it was a real it was a real uh, honour and a privilege to be to be asked to go and do uh, Latitude Festival, which is I think it's, it's one of my favourite festivals. So producer Paul and I trotted down. Uh, I think it's in Suffolk. We trotted up to Suffolk, sorry, uh, to do the festival. Producer Paul got absolutely bollocks the night before. <laughs> absolutely shit faced and so was a quivering wreck the next day uh, when we did it on stage but he, he got us through it he soldiered through bless him he's a good lad and uh, we had a really good time we had a really good time we had a packed out tent 
we couldn't get a guest because all the guests, no one was there yet. We sort of did it we like early, we like midday on the on the first day, so there weren't really anyone around. But we ended up doing it ourselves. We had a really good time. Everybody that was there was brilliant. And uh, if you were there, fantastic. Thank you very much because you really were a fantastic crowd. Um, and after the after we we did the show, uh, we were met by a guy called Chris Lee. And he came up and he said, uh, he, firstly he said he enjoyed it, which was which is always nice to hear. Uh, and then he started telling us about uh, men's sheds. And, you know, and I, I was interested. I'm like, well, what's that? And he told me. He said, it's where, you know, men go along and, uh, and they, you know, they, they fix things, they have a chat. But basically, fundamentally, the, the important bit is that they open up and they start, you know, they... they they're not, you know, they, they open up to each other and have a chat, and that's one thing that men, especially of the older generation, need to do is open up more. So it's a safe space for them to do that. And I was like, yeah, that's fantastic. Why don't you come on the podcast and have a chat? Uh, and so, back a bit of back and forth. Uh, we got there in the end, uh, and there he is. So coming up in a minute, it's Chris Lee. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. A podcast from producer Paul.co.uk. Insane in the membrane. I've just been having a conversation with uh, a comedian, uh, Callie Beaton, and we were talking uh-huh. about we were talking about men, and we were talking about how men uh, how men talk to each other, and men like we, we, you, you know this, men tend mm. to not talk to each other face to face. We've got to be doing something. Yeah, and I and we talked about that, and I was like, yeah, you're right, and it really it reminded me of the conversation you and I have had yeah. about what you're doing with with the uh, men's sheds. Yeah. And it was fantastic, uh, and it was really good. So, how did you? How did this come about, Chris? Well, well, it's really just what you were saying there about men doing mm. stuff together, because there's a saying that comes from Australia where men sheds originated, uh, that that men talk don't talk face to face; they talk shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And I was pointing out this to somebody else on radio, and they said, "Oh yeah." And I find that when I go walking, pe- walking with people. Uh, I talk about slightly different things in a more relaxed way. So I think it's generally that when we're not looking face-to-face at somebody, uh, we might actually talk a bit more freely. Yeah. Um, but I, I got into men's sheds um, in the same week, about eight or nine years ago, in the same week on Twitter, I discovered about men's sheds and I discovered about repair cafes. Uh, yeah. And repair cafes are like cousins to men's sheds. 
uh, community repair events. So um, I like both ideas. So I brought them together in creating something called the Repair Shed <laughs> long, long before the Repair Shop existed. Right, yeah. Um, and I and I set it up. I set up one a repair shed down in Hamel Hempstead, which is the other corner of Hertfordshire from where I live. Um, and that was eight years ago, and it's still going well. Brilliant. And they've now branched out. They've got another site in a school where it's a brilliant arrangement. They provide all the maintenance for the school in return for using the fully equipped workshop that oh, the school wow. has got. And um, just as a classic example of problem-solving brains, um, it, it's a special needs school. Okay. And they've got, um, they've got a, a wheelchair lift to raise people in wheelchairs up about three foot and the guys came in we call ourselves shedders so the shedders came in and the first thing the uh, school said to them was we've got a panic on can you make us a wooden ramp so they said why they said because the uh, the, the the wheelchair lift is broken and we need to raise people up and the guy said why wouldn't we mend it yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so half an hour later it was fixed Oh, and they'd, sa they'd save the school a thousand pounds in an emergency call-out fee, oh, and instead of instead of building a useless ramp, they'd actually just fix the problem. <laughs> and, and it's just, to my mind, it's all about if you've got that sort of a brain, uh, you don't think about you know you want to sort it out for good. You don't want to just ask around you know doing sort of temporary measures. Yeah. So um, they've got a great relationship with the school, and they're keeping a chart of all the money they're saving the school by having them doing the work for them instead. And, and I think, to be honest, the school appreciates that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there's a good community connection between older guys and the younger people in the school. So the intergenerational stuff is there Brilliant. as well. That's the thing. It's, the, it's the, you know, it's the older generation that, uh, you know, we're, we're all starting the conversation now about, you know, looking after your mental health and, you know, but there's the older generation that didn't have that. Like, I know my dad didn't have that. And it's only very recently he started to tell me about his, his upbringing. I knew bits yeah. and bobs, but he's only really started going into detail very recently. I mean, he's 75, 76. Mm. And, uh, but, it, but yeah, but I remember growing up, like, you know, the bonnet of the car would always be up or dad would be under the car. Yeah. And the neighbours, the other fellas would just congregate around the car. Yeah. And either helping them out, or even, not even that, they'd just be sat, they'd be stood around the car drinking tea, but they'd all be chatting. Yeah. And I do remember yeah. that. And so this, and it, yeah. and when you, and like the, with the shedders doing that, they might, that, what people don't really understand is that that gives you, that, in, that improves your mental health <clears throat> vastly yeah. because you're helping people. And I think that's what, that's, that's such a wonderful thing. And it, it's, it's the payback, it's the reward. Um, I, I'm of a generation which obviously, uh, you know, I haven't retired yet, but it's not far off. And um, I, through my work with, I set up the um, repair cafe here where I live. And um, I, I say to guys, where did you learn all about electrics? Because I don't know about electrics. And they said, well, doesn't everybody know about electrics? <laughs> well, I said, no. My, no. my dad was into woodworking, so I do furniture repairs, and I did woodworking, but he wasn't into electrics. But people, I'm surrounded by people of my age who who just automatically grew up knowing how to fix electrical stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it makes me feel quite inadequate, and that's really 
one of the great things about men's sheds is is the learning that goes on within the shed between the guys because yeah everybody knows something slightly different and um and they don't have you know you don't have to have a particular skill to get involved but it's interesting the origin of men's sheds in Aus- from australia where they've got a thousand sheds was that it was started because after the vietnam war apparently um it was a very unpopular war in in australia so the veterans that came back expected to be greeted as heroes but they weren't no and they actually were shunned and they ret- and, and 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 they retreated to the bush they literally went into the bush right and as they came out they gathered in sheds because they'd got the shared experience of war that obviously a lot of them were suffering from trauma mm. and the only people who understood what they were going through was each other and that's where men sheds came from and gradually they came back into society so um you know the the ice there is there are quite a lot of sheds in the in the UK that are connected with veterans you know who and the other thing about it is that this is to do with work as much as anything if your life revolves having a uniform on when you lose your uniform that's when you lose status oh, um yeah. and, and even a, even a business suit is status mm. and and the higher you are up in the organization the more you lose it when you actually are no longer in the organization yeah and if you've had somebody else to do a pa to do all your your it for you you come out of your job and you're absolutely bereft because yeah. you don't even know how to use a computer <laughs> exactly that so, I, yeah uh, so, so yeah. they're, as, they're as vulnerable. People high up in organisations are as vulnerable when they retire as are people in uniforms. And somebody suggested to me, although I've never found the evidence, that posties have quite a higher level of mental ill health when they retire, A, because they haven't got a uniform, B, because they're weird days, you know, they're oh, shit. yeah, of course. They're crazy. Um, but also they're, they're well connected with the community when they're posties, but when they get rid of their uniforms and their status and their role oh, that's when they really oh. suffer so so men's sheds really is and, I, and when i was in um setting up the men's shed in hemel hempstead i uh, i had this idea that you should second a business should second the guys who are going to be made retire or made redundant they should be seconded to a shed for six months before they retire so that when they do retire they've got this network of people they can oh, plug into yeah. That's but um, anyway, so all, too many ideas and too little time. <laughs> <laughs> but there is yeah. that thing, like going back to what you were saying about uh, not knowing how to do things. I know I'm I'm as guilty as as a lot of men. We're scared to to say that we don't know a thing. We'd rather we'd rather bodge it and yeah. and you know blag it a little bit rather than say, yeah, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I guess in that environment. It must be. It must, that's what you need is that environment, like the shed, to go. Yeah, I don't know. I've never done that before. Yeah. How does that work? And it, it's because you feel comfortable with the people yeah. you're with. You don't. You don't. You don't mind admitting it. I um I had a conversation with um we've got a local domestic appliance shop near here, and the guy and I said, "Who's your favourite customer?" He says, "Women who don't think they know how to fix things," because they said otherwise. What happens is the washing machine goes, and the husband partner says. Uh, don't worry, darling, I'll fix it. So, of course, they can't bloody fix it. Yeah. And then they say, oh, no, it can't be mended. And the answer is, it could have been mended. <laughs> but after they've messed around with it, it can't be mended. <laughs> so so it, they, don't want, they don't want the, you know, the well-meaning partners to go anywhere near the bloody washing machine. Otherwise, they're going to yeah. leave it worse than it was. 
but yeah, so it is about it's about having a confident confidence to say I don't know, but I'd like to learn sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah and, we, that, and yeah. that's really um, I think that's the essence of what uh, because a men's shed just to, to state the bleeding obvious is a, a sort of a communal space for men, but it's not exclusively for men. No, um, and um, it's not necessarily a shed. Um, and we could talk about where some of the sheds yeah. are located at some stage. But I think the um, the big thing about it is you could be doing this stuff in your own shed, but it's not the same as doing it with somebody else. And and the main element is that learning element where, where actually you get two brains that are sort of firing on slightly different planes and they come together and fix it. And also it's quite it's more fun to to get somebody else involved in what you're doing and helping and this, that, and the yeah, other. Absolutely. So I think it's the old it's the old shoulder to shoulder thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I remember um a mate of mine, Michael, and I said to him I was having some issues with my my youngest lad. You know, he was going through puberty and he just, you know, mm. we weren't really connecting and every time we were around each other we just bang up against each other. And he said, he said, why don't you go and just go and get go and get a bag of chips and go and sit by a pond and just sit there and eat your chips and you know just have a you know just watching the ducks go by and all that and it and he was right we ended up we were sat in the car and where he lives in Gravesend where he lived in Gravesend we sort of pulled up in the car we were right by the Thames right by watching all the ships coming in and out and we just sort of sat there eating chips and watching the ships coming in and it was a really nice moment you know we were just we were we weren't we weren't in a we weren't in an environment just going right I want you to tell me what's going on we were just doing something else and from that we yeah. suddenly started talking about you know the issues we were having and what was annoying each other about each other and and that's what you need isn't it it's just a, a yeah. safe environment where you don't feel it's almost like you're distracted from yeah. it aren't you and that's yeah, yeah. The, that's yes like you said that's the essence of the sheds the um what one of the guys i mentioned about the different locations for sheds mm. and one of them is up there's a place called nairn which is near inverness and, that, and, and it's actually, they, they have their shed on platform two of the station. Right. Uh, the station's open. Oh, so, really? um, so, so they've got their shed there. And I was talking to the guy who runs it, and he was saying, obviously, during lockdown, there was a lot of problem of isolation and such like. And they used to have a weekly Zoom meeting, which was just a chance for people to meet. And he said, um, he, he asked one of the guys who didn't really contribute much, but just sat there listening. And he said, uh, you know, he took him on one side and asked him if there was anything wrong. And the guy said, no, no, there's nothing wrong. I just, uh, I like looking at people. I like seeing smiling faces. I like hearing what they've got to say, but I don't feel the need to make a contribution. Right. So, um, you know, you don't, you, you, it's not all about talking. It's sometimes about listening. Yeah, and, yeah, sometimes, yeah. And, and even in our repair shed down in Hemel, there was a guy there. He was, I mean, you know, anybody in sheds can be any age, but. He was probably about 40, a guy called Danny, and he was long-term unemployed. And, and after, well, it was after six months, um, one of the guys came up to me and he said, Danny's just found his voice. So, <laughs> so he, he, he'd been there for six months. He'd been doing stuff. He'd been turning up every day and whatever. And it, it took six months for him just to feel able to, to say what he yeah, thought yeah, or yeah. turn in and stuff. And the brilliant thing is that there's the everybody's got the patience just you know to allow people to do stuff at their own pace and, um, you know, develop at their own pace. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's quite open. <laughs> and you, yeah, well, that's the thing. And you need, 
you know, we need we need to feel accepted. And then that's when we start to come out of ourselves. I know that yeah. I play I used to play comedians football, so we'd meet up on a Tuesday. <laughs> it's still going. Yeah. Um and it wasn't it's not serious. We'd all just turn up, we'd turn up where at Crystal Palace and um and I remember going there and the first few times I went, I kind of, I was quite quiet. I kind of sort of said hello to the people that I knew. But basically, you know, just just played football with with the guys and then I'd then I'd go home. And I felt really bad. I was like, oh, God, I'm going, but no one's talking to me. I don't know what to do. And then one day, they just started They just started talking to me. And they go, oh, Rich, nice one. Good to see you. And it was just that, it was that, and that's all it took. It was a really nice moment. And I imagine that was the same with Danny. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. he just found his found his feet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and the other thing, obviously, is, and this is okay, this is traditional, but it does actually, it does actually happen in... Uh, in sheds, men, you know, men talking about their health. And um, before I set up the repair shed, I went to Milton Keynes, which is one of the oldest and probably one of the biggest uh, sheds. And um, I was sitting there waiting to see the guy who was sort of, I was meant to be meeting. And there was a guy behind me. This was just uh, in a coffee, uh, in a room where they were drinking coffee. And <laughs> there was a guy behind me talking about his bowel cancer. Uh, he wasn't talking to me, he was just talking yeah. about it. And I thought, he's a plant. He's obviously been told to go into the tea room and talk about his bowel cancer. Because, you know, I thought, wow, this is what I've been told happens, but it's actually happening. And then it happened to me a little bit um, towards the end of my time with the uh, repair shed because um, uh, there was this guy called Gary, and um, I heard him before I saw him, and he was huffing and puffing coming up the stairs. And um, and, uh, and he came round the door, the door, and I said, how's things, Gary? So he said, um, not so good. So I said, oh, what's the problem? And he said, um, oh, we, I've got a note written down here, Gary's testicles, because he said, my my balls are aching. So I said, oh, okay, um, any particular reason? Yeah. And he said, um, oh, well, a couple of weeks ago I had a hernia. So I said, a hernia operation. Right. So I said, oh, well, I've had a double hernia operation, you know, get up on it. And uh, he said, ever since then, my balls have been aching. Do you think that's normal? I said, I don't know what normal <laughs> is. Because obviously, if you've never had a hernia, you'd never know what it, or you never yeah. know what it is. So I said to him, I said, if my balls were aching two weeks after an operation, I'd at least want to tell my doctor about it. Yeah. So I heard him that afternoon, and he was on the phone to the doctor. And I saw him two weeks later, and I said, Harry, uh, how, how are you getting on, Gary? Are your balls still aching? He said, yeah, but at least the doctor knows. <laughs> And, and, and the point is, you know, he didn't know what was normal. I didn't no, know no, what no. was normal. Uh, and, and, and once I'd actually pointed out, well, it's bleeding obvious, just ask somebody for advice. Yeah. You did. But um, but you need to, you know, you, it's the sort of thing men don't talk about. But that's it, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. And we, we yeah. it's not, not about manning up, but you just kind of go, yeah. oh, I don't want to trouble anyone with it. I'm sure it's fine. So, you know, yeah. you leave it. And, and as you get older, obviously, bits start to drop off and... Yeah start to hurt in a weird way things yeah. suddenly you've got marks on you that weren't there before yeah. and i've just got yeah. this, i've got this thing on my cheek and yeah. i think we don't know i'm gonna go and get it looked at but for ages it was i was like i was kind of like fit i'm like oh i don't know what that is but i'll just i'll maybe i'll grow my beard a bit more and just cover it up and, <laughs> about it. and yeah. someone said to me the other day like rich mate that looks really angry go and see someone you go yeah i will do i will do but i was just yeah. doing that thing of yeah. Oh, well, I'll just, I don't want to trouble anyone. I'll let it, I'll yeah. just see what happens. Yeah. But I think that. That there's, there's a role for women because um, I know this is gross generalization. And like I said, uh, men's sheds are not necessarily 
men only. No. Uh, it varies. And even in Australia, where obviously there's the Australian way of doing things, women are involved in sheds in pretty much one way or another. Mm. But um, I, as I said earlier, there's this thing about men feeling more comfortable talking to other men. I actually don't necessarily agree with it because when when I left the repair shed in Hemel, we had 25 members and three women. And I reckon <laughs> I reckon that if, if, if a guy was feeling a bit bad, he'd come in in the morning, it would be one of the women who'd take him on one side and say, things aren't quite right, are they? <laughs> but whereas the men would just go on for weeks on end and somebody would say, oh, you know, where's John? Well, he wasn't, you know. And, yeah. and just, so I think, uh, and of course, the traditional thing is that women do, they're the people who push men to go and see the doctor and this, that and the other. Yeah. And, and actually, they're also the people who push men into sheds because there's a thing called the underfoot syndrome, which is, that the woman has got her home all organised and then the man gets made redundant or retires and he comes and messes the whole thing up. <laughs> I had an experience of that because down in Hamel, we were, I don't know if you know Hamel, there's a place called the Magic Roundabout. Yes. But yeah. Well, we were about 300 yards from the Magic Roundabout and we were near a B&Q um, DIY store. And that was a brilliant place for recruiting people who might want to come to the shed. So I was explaining to the B&Q manager of the, that, um, what our shed was all about. And I walked out to, to give out leaflets to the people coming into B&Q. And uh, I walked back to my car and a guy comes up and he says, um, I think you've just described a, a thing for old fogies like me. So I said, oh, what's your situation? He says, well, I'm a taxi driver and I'm going to retire in two years. And my wife's worried what I'm going to do when, when I retire. So, you know, she was the one who was thinking ahead on his behalf yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and pushing him to find something to do so she wasn't he wasn't going to get under her feet. So it's, um, yeah, so I think I, I, I give quite a lot of talks about men's sheds and often there are a lot of women in the audience and they say, sorry, um, sorry, we're here sort of thing. You know, we're just interested to know. And I say, I'm not sorry because women get the idea of men's sheds long before men do. Yeah, so well, yeah. it's usually the woman who, as I say, pushes them in and... Uh, Again, what I was told when I was at um, Milton Keynes was that there was a woman, and it's, it's like a second, second childhood. The, she was driving her husband in, and he was cross, crossing his arms, sitting in the in, in the passenger seat, saying, "I'm not going to enjoy it. Not going to enjoy it. I'm not going to enjoy it." And she pushes him into this shed, and then it's like taking him into nursery because she came back <laughs> at the end of the day. She couldn't get him out because he made all these friends, and he found all these toys to play with. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But what what he needed was somebody to push him in there, yeah. just to give it a go. Um, yeah. So, so uh, most, as I say, most most men find their way to a shed because of a woman. It might be a daughter, it might be a partner, it might be whatever. But um, they get they get it far easier and far quicker than men do. So, yeah. So I'm quite, I'm quite happy to talk to women about men's sheds because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're a good they're a good um, and there are some women only sheds as well. So oh really. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got one up in Whitby and uh, various other places. Just uh, yeah. yeah, why not? But why this not? is, I think, this is one of the things I've said this before on here. This is one of the things that the pandemic kind of shone a light on is the fact that we are sociable creatures fundamentally, and we need each other. Even if we just we just need to be around each other. So you need you need yeah. to meet up. Like you need to go to the pub or you need to go wherever yeah. you know the gym or wherever you want to go. And when the, when we were all locked away, that was taken away from us. And I think yeah. that made that was one of the, the people's mental health just went through the floor yeah. because of that. So something like this, and but on the, the other side of it as well, a lot of men are 
that we have that insecurity as well. Like we we don't want to feel weak and and vulnerable. So something like you know you do, you know going to when someone says oh look there's this thing called men's sheds I think you should go you go oh, I'm not an old I'm not an old fogey why yeah. am I going to that only old men go to sheds yeah. and so I imagine there's a lot of that as well and then when you get there well, like you said it's yeah. it's it's not what it it's it, yeah. that, it's not what it sounds like we we um, we have a problem I say we because I'm involved with the UK Men's Sheds Association mm. obviously if we're talking to I don't know, health professionals or whatever, we'll talk about isolation, loneliness, and this, that, and the other. But, of course, when we're talk, trying to recruit people for sheds, you don't sort of say, you're lonely, come to our <laughs> shed. What, what you say is, do you, do you want to have fun and make friends? And that's a much more attractive proposition. Yes. And 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 um, years ago, I was driving, the the, the president of the, of the Australian Men's Sheds Association, um, I drove him around Bedfordshire to take him around various sheds because he was visiting and he and he told me amazing things but one of the things he said was if you take um, a health professional into a shed they see all the health education going on if you take a, uh, an adult educator in they see all the learning that's going on and if you take a community development worker in they see all the community building that's going on right, so yeah. it ticks boxes for so many things and and the shed is merely the vehicle for getting people together yeah. when all these great things happen. But I think the other thing about it is you don't want men to be isolated within a shed no. um, because it's almost as bad because, <laughs> because they're sort of tucked away. And um, what, what they say from Australia is the ideal shed is one third of the time spent on people doing their own projects. So they're things they might have done at home, but they're doing them in the shed because it's good to share with other people. The other is is doing things to earn money, which is maybe making stuff that you can sell or possibly putting on training courses in wood turning and stuff like that. Okay. Or, and the third one is community projects. So that's about getting out of your shed and connecting with the local community. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we uh, down in Hemel, we, uh, we did, we sort of refurbished some kids' um, play equipment um, okay. for a local sort of children's centre. Um, and, and, and again, it's a sort of inter intergenerational stuff, but, but actually connecting with the community more widely rather than just getting lumped away in a building or something like that, it, it, I think is a far healthier, healthier way to go. Um, and the other thing I think is, I mean, for me, my personal well-being is by creating something I'm proud of. Mm, yes. um, and, and that could be cooking a meal. It could be gardening. In my case, it's writing. But if at the end of the day you say, this may not be wonderful, but I'm really pleased with it, yeah. I think that really helps us. And I think I think men's sheds help people to be more creative because they're not only, you know, it's not just about woodwork and stuff. It can be any sorts of ways. And I think at the end, it's, it's purposeful activity. So at the end of the day, you can say, I'm really proud of that, yeah. <laughs> even if it's crap, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, what, like you were saying about <sighs> losing your – you know your your standing in the community like once yeah. you like once you retire yeah. you have nowhere to be that was something else as well with the with the thing that went on with the with the covid thing is that like we didn't we weren't we weren't needed anywhere we weren't we didn't have to be anywhere and we weren't needed anywhere we all kind of lost our our positions our standing we were kind of you know and it's not you want to be you want to be needed you want to be you know yeah. you're like you say you're yeah. Once you lose your uniform and your position, 
you kind of and that's what happens with a lot of men like you said when they retire suddenly yeah. it's like you're not needed anymore yeah. you're at home yeah. all the time so that so your partner's got the ass because you you're just yeah. kicking around you're like, getting in the way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you kind of yeah what do you do so i think it's great to prepare for that yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. it's really important because we, we are human beings are we need to be needed and we want to be wanted yeah. somewhere and when we don't yeah. have that that's when like you say we deteriorate yeah i think so and 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 you know as i say it it, it takes all sorts so a guy a guy we had coming to us um because you obviously nobody knows whether it's going to work out for them when they first come and he came in and we were going to get some fleeces for ourselves matching fleeces just to <laughs> feel part of a team you know yeah. because it helps and so i said to this guy i said what's your size he said um oh i don't want a fleece so i said why not he said well i don't, I don't know i'm going to stay so i said oh that's a shame so anyway we had a photo taken with us all in our new feces and i said to this guy i said john you may not be staying but you've got to put a fleece on so he said okay it's medium so whatever <laughs> and, and that was the first time i knew that he was thinking of staying yeah. and he said and he said I, I don't feel as i'm very useful here and i said i said first of all i bet you are useful here and secondly it doesn't matter whether you're useful or not you know yeah and uh, and, 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 and 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 you know people bring out different things and they have and they, and it's often you don't know you, you think you know them quite well and then they suddenly come out with this skill that you've never they've never talked about you've never talked about whatever so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, and and, and I, I describe it the magic of men's sheds because you can't actually engineer it you know it happens yeah and, and it happens more often than it doesn't happen but you can't so so like um i don't know if you know but men are a hard to reach older men are a hard to reach group <laughs> and and so if you are offering something like training everybody who puts on training courses they're all putting their hands up to 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 pay for it so they can tick a box that says we provided training for older men and and similarly with health health um, education everybody wants to be able to reach older men because they're a hard to reach group so so sometimes they say oh can we send um a district nurse in to talk about prostate problems and we say no you cannot because the last thing men want to be do is to be told about what to do and what about their health and something so we i mean it's not an original phrase but we call it health by stealth right which is to actually raise the issues in much more subtle ways and you start talking about having trouble peeing at night and then somebody says oh you do as well do you because they <laughs> they think they're the only person in the bloody world who has trouble this is it, like this is it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and it gradually comes out so so yeah but it, but you can't engineer it it has to sort of happen organically yeah and um and, and so you know it's not it, it's it's too easy to paint a picture as sheds are sheds are the answer because um sometimes it doesn't work out no and you get, and you get people who are arguing and you say well that's life sorry <laughs> you know yeah some yeah. people won't get on. Some people are awkward buggers. Some people, whatever. <laughs> but that's you know, well, you know, welcome to the real world. Sort of thing. Yeah, this is it. And, yes, and unfortunately, we are human beings, and we can be, we can be yeah. tricky customers sometimes, can't we? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then as also as well, because there's probably stuff that we're not dealing with subconsciously, or something that's happened from years ago, and it's still yeah. it's still troubling you. And and so when you're in an environment like that, you it's still affecting you. It affects you. So you're, you may be taking it out on the people around you. And so yeah. that's what, you know, men do need to kind of, we do. I, I, I always say like the best thing that I ever did was counseling just yeah. to go, just to go and get someone else to just help me unpack everything in my head. 
and then figure out why I was behaving in certain ways, why I was depressed, why I was a bit yeah. pissed off. And yeah. and it really helped. And I think that will help people as well. I mean, I, I say my dad's 76 now. I mean, he's a bit too, he still, you know, if I said to him, you should go to counselling, he'd go, well, what's the point? I'm yeah. going to be dead soon. <laughs> like, all yeah. right, dad. Yeah, yeah. You know. We might get to a shed then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might get <laughs> into a shed. Well, that's the yeah. thing he's got. Well, that's the thing as well, is that he's got, he has got his own sheds. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. you know, they're full of yeah. stuff. And, yeah. you know, yeah. he's always messing around yeah. in there. Yeah. But we, we get a lot of um, people, well, we get a lot of donations of tools and stuff because you get you get some, uh, it's usually the woman who survives the man. Mm. And she, she's literally got a shed load of tools. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, and, and the idea that they're going to get on and be appreciated and used. But sometimes... We get people, older guys who are going into care or into a care home or into a sheltered accommodation. And the shed they used to go to, they can't have it. So they donate their tools to the shed, to the communal shed. Right. Uh, and then they can come in and use them. So, oh, brilliant. You know, so they use it. They're keeping familiar with the tools, but they're, but they're being used more widely. Oh, so it's a really amazing. nice way they can sort of make that transition into more sheltered accommodation yeah. without losing touch with um, all the stuff and whatever. Oh, so, that's lovely, uh, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely, it's, it's great. That's really, it's funny when my, so my grandma ended up, she's in a, in a care home now. Mm. And she's only got, she's got the bare minimum, like, things around her, you know. And it, it suddenly made me realise, like, we, we're surrounded by all these things now. But as we get older, mm. and you, you know, you become less able, uh, and you don't need all this stuff, and it starts to, and I just, it, I'm really glad to hear that something like that, something that was important to these people, yeah. is actually going on to be used, and not, and 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 they still get to use it as well. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, I think yeah. that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's great. How and, you- and, and and you know, my my view, I'm biased, of course, which is that every community should have a shed, because everybody I've spoken to, and again, it's mainly women, they know somebody who could benefit from a shed. Mm. And, and and if you if you grow them bottom up around the interests of your sort of core group of men to get it started, then first of all it's cheaper, and because you don't have to pay anybody to run it. Yeah. And secondly, because it's around their particular interests, and because they've done it for themselves, uh, then then it's a much more sort of um, well the bottom up they've invested more in it, so they're like more a a more likely to create something they want, yeah. and b they're more likely to stick with it. Because they know all the efforts have gone into setting it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, so, so the old bottom up, you know, is 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 really the way to go. Yeah. And as I say, um, you know, f- well, finding space really is the is is the biggest problem for most sheds. But but even if somebody's got a garage, they can start there. And somebody said to me, he said, um, a shed starts when guys get round a table to discuss what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, so so it's a, it's it's the talking and the chatting and the making friends. That's when the shed starts, and so it doesn't even theoretically it can it doesn't even need to be sort of a physical space. Um, it could be meeting in the pub every week to discuss this shed that never gets started, <laughs> but but nevertheless you're talking about starting it, which is the point uh, of the shed in the which first is place. The point, yeah, just getting talking. <laughs> so the planning is as, as as important as anything else. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you seem yeah. like somebody that's you're very you seem very open about you know about your yeah. your own experiences yeah. and that's I, that's i find that really refreshing you know you're i mean you're not much older than yeah. i am but <laughs> you know it's there's yeah. still that element of our our sort of generations that aren't very open about their 
the things they've yeah. experienced. And I've, I think it's fantastic that you're, you seem very open. Has that been an easy thing for you? Have you always been that way? Uh, no, I think I've got more open. I'm, I mean, I, I, I had um, depression and anxiety periods for uh, over 20 years, but I sort of, from 40 to 60, I, I had a 20 year period of depression and anxiety. And I think that, I mean, you mentioned about counselling and things like that. Mm. I think that encourage, it's quite self-indulgent, but it encourages us to talk yes. uh, and to get things out. And um, and I, I suppose I'm, I'm sort of putting back into an informal system that, you know, supported me in the past sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, not, it's, it's purely coincidental, but um, it's sort of about six years since I've last sort of had depression and anxiety. Uh, and, and, and all that time I've been involved in sheds in one one way or another. Yeah. It's it's too easy to say that the sheds, you know, was my salvation. But it is true, and it sounds a bit overdramatic, which is that some sheds have had people who've who've said that if they hadn't joined the shed, they would have taken their own lives. Um, you know, um, and so it's the, the the sad thing is that it's sometimes people discover sheds by accident, you know? Yeah, well, this is <laughs> and, it. And now. you think, what if yeah. they didn't find this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. So, this, so we've got a role to try and publicise it as well as we can. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is like the, this podcast, the amount of um, messages we get from people just saying, just hearing, say, say, for instance, you and I talking like this, all it took was them, was them to hear Mm. us talking in this way and you'll get we get messages from people going i'm really glad that i could hear someone else talking about these things i'm an older man myself and blah blah, blah and, and and you know just that and that's that's all you need and so like you've the brilliant thing like you said you're putting back into this f informal yeah. um you know this yeah. informal thing that we're doing yeah. it's like, like with the podcast it's the same thing it's that it's that i've i, I was helped by what i did now I can hopefully pass that on to other people. And I think that's, that's what we all should be doing yeah. if we're in that position. Yeah. I mean, my, I do believe, you know, that what, what the, the reason I'm now involved with the UK, the national association is because when I started the repair shed, I was really interested in a thing called social enterprise, which is generating income. Mm. And so I put a thing out there to the existing sheds. And at the time there were far fewer. We've got, We've got a thousand either in existence or two hundred of those in in development, and and but there were far fewer then. And I put I put my request out to the sheds that existed as to why uh, how how they earned money or did they earn money, and 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 I got about half a dozen people come back, including a guy who gave me his whole business plan, and I thought, wow, they they don't know me at all, but they're prepared to sort of send me all this stuff, give me an hour on the phone and things. So at the time, I thought, well, I'm going to put my energies into setting up the shed now. Mm. But later on, I'll try and put back into it by helping other people setting up sheds. And, and you know, right now in Hertfordshire, we've got we've got two or three sheds already, but there are two more people who are setting them up now. And, um, you know, as I say, the more the more there can be, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the more local, the more local they are, it means people don't have to travel. Uh, it means people can meet up th around other things rather than just just going to the shed. Yeah. Like so, so it, there's as many more possibilities if you have a reasonably local network. Yeah. Yeah. And do people like you were talking about projects? So, yeah. do pe are there projects there that the people running the shed bring in, or do you get or are yeah. other people bring stuff in? How does that work? Well, it, it, it's as I said. Sometimes people bring their own little sort of pet pet projects in 
and, and, and they're getting access to equipment that they haven't got in their own houses or they haven't got space or they haven't got the money. So obviously a shed in theory can afford to have better equipment. And as I say, we get lots of donations and things like that. So some people come in and they use that facility for their own thing. But more often than not, it, they sometimes get commissions and things like that. Bird boxes, they're, <laughs> they're the bane of my life. Because, because every, every, every men's shed sooner or later makes bird boxes. Yeah. And, and, and over in, again, over in Milton Keynes, they got an order from a wildlife trust for 130 bird boxes. And, and that's good for business because we're going to be paid for them. But after about 15, the guys were saying, we don't want to bloody make 150 <laughs> bird boxes. And, and they said, we, we left our job to get away from this sort of mass production sort yeah, of line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that wasn't too good. But what happened over in Aylsham, no, in Aylsham, yeah, at Aylesbury, was that it was a really brilliant idea. When they were starting their shed, they said, right, it, it was November time. They said, everybody's going to do the same thing. We're going to make bird boxes and we're going to sell them on a market stall at Christmas to raise money to start the shed. Right. So they everybody was doing bits and pieces, part of this process. Some were made up into kits. So some were made up, some were in kits. And, um, they, and so it was good team building exercise. <laughs> it was a good chance to work out who was good at what. Yeah. Because some people wanted to sell them on the stall but didn't want to make them and other people didn't want to do the selling. Right. So they made about 50 bird boxes. They flogged them each for a fiver which really wasn't the point, but they made 250 yeah. quid on the stall and then they did their own thing afterwards. So, so um, you know, you can, uh, you can. Do, I thought it was just a brilliant sort of yeah. team building exercise. Everybody was told to do, told what to do. And then after that, obviously you do your own thing or whatever. And as I say, quite a lot of repairs and things that people can do for other people. Yeah. Um, and that's where it overlaps with repair cafes, which is uh, we used to have community repair events where people used to bring in stuff that was broken and we used to try and fix it for them, you yeah, know, nice. simple as that. Yeah. And again, the satisfaction that older guys get when they've mended something and the look of appreciation on yes. somebody who thought they, they thought they were going to have to take it to the dump. It's an old favourite, a favourite sort of whatever, and to see it had life in it still. And that's all the reward that people need, yeah. the gratitude, the gratitude, not the money because we do it for free, the gratitude of people who've suddenly seen their favourite item kept out of landfill yeah um so it is about you know feeling feeling valued really isn't it oh that is such a yes feeling valued is exactly what we all need yeah 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 Yeah. and as you get there is that thing that you feel as you're getting older you feel like you're not being you're not as valued you know especially especially with society society definitely you know the older you get the more you know where you're not you're not producing as much as you used to so we're going to push you out and bring in newer people and yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that and it does affect you, and that's yeah. oh, this is such a great idea. So, how yeah. many sheds have you got now? We've got eight hundred are open. This is in the UK. Mm. Eight hundred are open, and there's a two. There's about two hundred and twenty in development. Wow! But as I said, even when they're in development, they're starting to bring people together uh, and whatever. And then if you multiply that up by the average shed is, we don't know for a fact, but it's probably. It's probably got about 15 or 20 members. Okay. So if you multiply that up, but if you multiply up all the families who benefit from the older guys maybe yeah. being in the shed, the, the, the ripple effects. And sometimes, of course, men come into the shed for respite care because they're full-time carers for their partners. Right, yeah. And they actually want to get away from their partners <laughs> and to come into the shed just to have a bit of playtime, really. That's what it is, playtime. 
And, and I think, you know, I think adults don't play enough. No, you're um, right. So, you're absolutely right. So we might as well go into a shed and have it like, like the, the nursery I talked about earlier. Where you find all these toys and have all this fun and games and things like that. Well, I think that's yeah. it. I mean, I've, I might have said this before, but yeah. men never really grow up, do we? We just our toys yeah. become more expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's I. I think that's permission to play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and it's whenever. And but there is that kind of like I said earlier when you mentioned the word shed, because mm. I always associate it with mm. old people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm gonna. I will say that with myself, I I would be like, yeah, but I'm only fifty. Why would I go to a shed? Yeah, you know, yeah, it's that, yeah. and that's it. That's my own yeah. bullshit coming yeah. out. You know, but we need that. We yeah. need to get past that. Yeah. yeah, but it is it is it is interesting that um, when this guy came over from Australia, he told me that in Australia the the sheds are very much open, eighteen to eighty plus. You know, mm. but um, he said the actual median age. Of, of a shedder in Australia is 69. So even though even though they advertise equally to everybody, 18 to 80, there's still that particular age group. Yeah. Which, and the other thing that he surprised him, he said when shed started, he thought they'd all be brewing. Well, in Australia, they'd all be brewing and stuff. But he said um, only if it's not, you know, they can brew beer and stuff if yeah. they want to. But he said incredibly few sheds do brew beer. But uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> They're like the arches, you know, with yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the cider press and stuff, you know, cider club or whatever. Well, there's things, but, uh, yeah. There's my. I've got a friend of mine, Emma, and yeah. I've known I've known her. I don't know. Must have known about ten or so years, and she's she's only she's only just turned forty. And I met with her a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying, oh, she's, oh, I've got my allotment. I love my allotment. And she was showing me all these pictures of her, like she's cleaned all this, like it was the back of the allotment and all these shit bushes and she's cleaning all that and showing me. And I just went, but you go out all the time and have parties and things yeah. like that. What's this allotment stuff you're doing? That's happening as well. A lot of younger yeah. people are getting allotments yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. There's, they suddenly realise that you don't have to wait. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to wait. <laughs> you might as well enjoy it while you're fit enough to enjoy it. Well, this, you know? Yes. Well, yeah. but, but I still I still have an issue. It's my, and it's my own, like I say, it's my own yeah, yeah. rubbish. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't be, I can't, I just can't physically say, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself a shed or I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to get myself an allotment. Because yeah, I feel yeah. like it feels to me yeah, like yeah. I'm giving up, but that's not the case, yeah. is it at all? Well, it, it needn't be. No, 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 it can be a new, uh, you know, new stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New, new piece of life. Because um, somebody ages ago, she used to say, you know, we use this phrase "growing old," but it, but actually, traditionally, people don't see it as a growing part of our life. Whereas when when I meet people who are coming to retirement, I say, "What are you going to do for the third of the last third of your life?" And they're thinking, bloody hell, have I really <laughs> got to live for another 30 years? And, of course, the answer is more and more people are living. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I think the other thing is I think um, I, I discovered it with a friend of mine here, which was that he retired early and he, he had too much time to think. And, it, and he got worried about the smallest little yeah. things. Well, yeah. and, 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 and he's now busy doing other things, doing volunteering stuff. He's not in a shed, but he's doing other things and he's keeping busy. 
And quite soon afterwards, after he was bothering about tiny little things, he stopped worrying about them. Yeah. Because he didn't have time to think about <laughs> them. And, you know, did I lock the back door and things like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, 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 and it doesn't take long for people's brains to sort of scale down a bit and whatever um, to, to sort of, you know, and even the guys who come into the shed, they sort of say, you can only watch daytime TV for so long before oh. it really does, you know, get to you. Yeah. And, and as I say, once they've discovered the shed, they sort of think, well, why didn't I know about this years ago? Because because they've been sort of going downhill and suddenly they sort of pick up and uh, and, and and discover, you know, discover a new a new place they can go to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you advertise this? Is it, is, is it easy to find? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we um, we we put out publicity wherever we can. Mm. I mean, th there's always people who are. Uh, you get sort of idealistic about it. You think that everybody at every bus stop should know about <laughs> men's sheds. And, and, and you take it as a personal affront that the fact they don't. But of course, like, you know, life's more complicated than that. Yeah. And the other thing is you've got to find the right people to start it because sometimes people put out publicity to find out if anybody's locally interested in a men's shed. And the trouble is that people turn up expecting to find an, a ready-made shed. And then they're told, well, no, actually, you've got to you've got to set it up, and of well, course, yeah. the setting up part of it is the boring bit. That's all the insurance and the and 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 the th this that and the other. Ah. So what? So they they go public too early because if you've been told you can walk, if you think you can walk into a shed the following week, and it's like twelve months later, it's open, then you've actually your expectations have been raised and then they've been dashed. Right. But for my mind, you don't go public too early. You find four or five guys who understand what setting up and setting it up is likely to be about mm. looking for premises getting insurance doing all the boring bits and once it's up and running then you go public to say right. come on the doors are open and things like that so um so it, it, getting the publicity is right and and as i said before part of it is getting the publicity right with the 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 health professionals yeah and part is getting it right with um with the guys who are going to come in uh, part of our problem is, have you heard about this thing called social prescribing? No. It, well, well, it's a very old idea, but the idea is that you go to the doctors and they prescribe going to a knitting club or or going, uh. or it might be going to a men's shed. But the problem is that um, men's sheds are getting used as dumping grounds for, for anybody and everybody with disability and ageing and dementia and stuff. And, and the guys that come along to a shed, apart from the fact that they may have dementia themselves, they um, they sort of say, well, as somebody put it, they're caring, but they're not carers. Right. So they don't come along to a shed to be carers for. I mean, yes, they'll obviously support each other. Yeah. But they're, but they're not they're not trained. They're not professional carers. No. If somebody has a carer, then it's not a question of the carer leaving them there. It's a, it's a question of the carer coming and staying with them. Yeah, of course. And then that's fine sort of thing. So yeah. um, so we need to be quite careful because it is the it is the magic that happens. But it but you know we we just need to know our limitations. Um, otherwise, we get put in positions of you know having to provide professional facilities when the people who go there don't claim to be professionals. You know, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. It, it, it's it's certainly something that we think. I mean, you know, we think we could easily have two thousand sheds, because you look at the numbers of sort of like British Legion clubs and things like that, mm. or, or scouts, scout groups and things like that, or or women's institute. I can't remember how many women's institutes there are, but <laughs> there's still plenty of scope for us to expand. Where can people find if they want to come down to a shed? How can they find where they well, are? Well, there's there's um, the men's shed website is mensheds.org.uk. 
But if you go, if you put in find a shed, uh, it'll take you to a map that we've got on our website. Right. Um, and you put your postcode in, you can find out where your nearest shed is. So that's the best way to to find find out. And 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 if people are thinking of starting sheds, the best thing they can do is to go on a shed crawl, which is what I did <laughs> when I was setting up. And, right. and, that, and that idea comes from from Ireland, where they uh, they're far more advanced with their sheds in Ireland than they are here. And um, and basically, you 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 get a minibus and you fill it up half with people who have a professional interest in sheds and half the people who have a personal interest in sheds. Okay. And you take them around three or four sheds and then. After you've been round, you're not looking at a blank sheet of paper because you're all saying, oh, that was a good idea, or I don't like that, or, oh, they were doing that, whatever. So it just – and to see a shed in action is really what – it's infectious, you know. Yeah. You just sort of think, why haven't we got one of these? Um, and sheds are only too happy to show off what they've achieved, so they won't mind They won't mind anybody visiting, which is the best single way to find out what they're all about. Yeah, is to go into one and see, see, uh, you know, see what goes on there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's well, that's brilliant. I and mean, I'm going to come down. I know we've talked about this before. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come to one. I'm going to have a look because yeah. I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'd love to see it in action. Yeah, brilliant. it's so important. Like we, like you said, uh, you touched yeah. on earlier. Yeah, this is and it sounds overly dramatic, but you are saving lives. You yeah. really are like, yeah. by giving some yeah. people a place to go. Yeah, and be yeah, yeah. and be with other people. In this, you know, yeah. it, it, it's so important. But uh, but I think the other point is it's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, above all, I mean, that's the biggest attraction, that you have fun yeah. there, you know? Chris, thank yeah. you so much, okay. mate. This has been Good. an absolute joy. Good. Nice to Nice to chat. Insane in the membrane. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.